Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 41, as we continue our focus on the church. When you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you began at that moment a personal relationship with the living God. He put within your spirit his Holy Spirit so that you would have power for living. In addition to that, he immediately placed you into this organism called the body of Christ, the church. In Acts chapter 2, we have a record of what the early church looked like, what they strove for, what they sought to become. Every church, local church, is always progressing or should be in its maturity and in its expression of God's heart and will. No church is perfect. Every church is at various stages of maturity, living hope included. But this, we believe, is our blueprint. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. From this passage, the last two weeks, we've discovered 12 ingredients of a church on mission. That is, it is gospel-centered. It is sacramental. That's the Lord's Supper and baptism. It is deeply committed to God and to one another. It's word-rooted, relational, prayerful, spirit-empowered, unified, generous, caring, worshipful, culturally engaged. So today, we are having a conversation worth having about the church. I wanted you to hear from others, not just me, who have grown in their maturity, who are on their way to pursuing God, and who are a vibrant part of Living Hope Church. Enoch Rodriguez is involved in the Chinese ministry on Saturday. He's been one of our discipleship leaders. He's been involved in the parking ministry, and he's actually preached once. Hannah Drake is a college student, has been involved in our First Impressions ministry. Ann Clements has been involved with Fresh Wind ministry, with prayer and prophecy. Alex Fields heads up our missions ministry. And uh, Mary Catherine Saplita is involved in outreach, evangelism. She's also been involved in our First Impressions parking ministry. And Josh Brooks, who is involved in our worship ministry and on Wednesday nights with our youth. So they are going to answer some of these questions. And guys, I want to encourage you, you did great in first service. Look at the audience, not me. Y'all did a great job on that. Hold that microphone close. And if this goes a little different than the first, that's okay. I actually sense that probably there's going to be a little shift. And I don't know what that's going to be. I'm just letting you know my sense. So don't, don't feel like we've got to, this has to be exactly like the first service. Y'all did phenomenal in the first service. And uh, I love each of you. I so appreciate you. You were handpicked to be on this panel because of not only your walk with Jesus, but how much you've been a vibrant part of Living Hope Church. First question is, of those 12 ingredients, 
which one kind of stands, which one or two sort of speaks to you the most or stands out to you. Well, I didn't speak on this before, but I think the being deeply committed really stands out because without that, I'm not sure you can taste and experience the other ingredients. Um, but if you are deeply committed, like the first church was, they uh, were steadfast, uh, fastly committed to the apostolical doctrine, uh, the apostles' doctrine, the uh, that's the teaching of the word and what they had learned by walking, actually walking with Jesus, the master on the earth. And then they were steadfast in, uh, in breaking of bread and communion and in prayer. All of these things were so important. And I think that if you do these things, then God's going to set you up to, to get a revelation of all these other ingredients. And you'll be able to actualize them in your life. Carol, if we can put those on that back screen, if it's possible, so they can see those 12 ingredients. Thank you. I was saying the one that stands out to me the most is uh, spirit-empowered. Um, from all things flow the Holy Spirit. So if you want to be a well-rounded Christian, um, in my opinion, um, the fruits of the Spirit lie in the Spirit. Um, and so I think that in this modern age, we need to get back to believing in the Spirit where we're so desensitized to the move of the Spirit. Um, yeah, and just we need to get back to being spirit-empowered so that when we do go into the communities, we're bringing that presence with us. How have you personally grown from the local church, whether that's Living Hope or a different church, or both? How has God used the church to help you grow and develop and mature? I'd like to answer that. Serving, serving is is um, the the best thing you can do, apart from prayer, worship, reading the word. Uh, serving, uh, Jesus said, if um, you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then you have to be a servant. Um, the world tells tells you if you want to be great, you know, you step over people, you do all kinds of crazy things. But the Lord tells you, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you have to be a servant. Um, I love serving. I've served in the parking ministry. I truly enjoy that. I mean that. Um, there, there were times that, that I've got to minister to people and people ministered to me even before the service started. So imagine you, you, you're in the parking, you're coming through the parking, the attendant ministers to you, and now you're ready to really worship the Lord. And then other times I needed to be ministered to, and the Lord would just randomly, people would come out and say things that I know were coming from the Spirit. So serving is, um, is, is the best way to grow, and I've grown here through serving. And if you want to grow, I, I encourage you, strongly encourage you to serve, serve other people. You're going you're gonna to reap so many blessings from just serving people. Um, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to grow. Um, serving is on the top of the list. I just think that um, as believers, um, as we mature in our, well, I feel that as I've matured and been a part of the community and been a part of the church, that I've gone more from being a fed Christian to a feeding Christian. And I've gotten to do that a lot through serving with the youth, being on the praise team. Um, and so it's opened up doors for me to be more of a priest in my own household to take that lead so that I am properly being the umbrella 
over my wife and children. My husband and I have grown in the area of trust. Well, we used to be real doubters. And seeing the body of Christ working, uh, we know we're not alone. The pastor's here, no matter what state you're in, you're not alone. They're here for you. I mean, we go out on the streets on Friday nights. We go, he goes out in the cold, he goes out in the dark every Friday night, and he tells people, it says in Luke 14, 23, go out, there, go out to the highways and the byways and compel them to come home so my house will be full. He knows he can tell them, come here. Because no matter what state they're in, you guys will be here for us. Anna, how have you grown from involvement in a local church? Yeah, I think um, I've grown so much in understanding the love of God, even just in his design for the church and seeing um, just assembling on the basis of knowing God better, I think is truly the best way for us to gather and um, just seeing even his love for us and designing um, us to meet and be encouraged by one another um, and also glorifying him. And how have you grown? Well, I give the church a lot of credit for my being here today. Uh, I did not grow up in a Christian home, uh, did not have any foundation of Christianity whatsoever. When I was about eight years old, my grandmother decided to visit the local Baptist church that was having a revival and she drugged me along and it was just a defining time in my life. I was just drawn. I was just drawn into it and started going by myself and listening to the word being preached and the idea that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and I could be a child of God and that I could have a perfect heavenly father because I didn't have a good earthly father. All of that just appealed to me as a child and it has just set a tone for my life. The church has been the uh, the center and the love of my life that the Lord and his church has. And I just give the, the church credit because I've sat under so many good teachers. I've been in several different churches, different denominations, and maybe the theology was a little different here and there, but the core values were the same. And so I've developed my most cherished friendships in the church with my brothers and sisters who taught me so much. I've sat at the feet of godly teachers who've taught me line upon line, precept upon precept. So I think today I would not know Abba Father or my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit if it not been for the, for the church. So I will be eternally grateful for the cross because the shed blood of Jesus is what purchased each one of us and the church collectively. And it's a free gift for anyone. Anyone is welcome. And I just am so thankful that he provided a place for me in his house. Um, yeah, I would say maybe it's twofold. Um, the first one I think of is just submission to authority and um, being a part of a local body where uh, there's a, a group of elders and a pastor, you know, that you're submitting to their leadership. Um, I've been at this church for five years now, and it's changed a ton since then. Um, and the, a lot of the people are different. Um, and just sticking uh, in, to the church and being committed to the church through thick and thin, I think, is really important. But then, two, um, doing life and ministry with other believers, uh, being, uh, knowing others and then being known uh, and being able to do that day in and day out is huge. Um, and to me, that's where, like, some of the biggest life changes happen. It's, it's through that uh, relationship with other people in the, in the, in the church. So we're going to do a little self-evaluation 
think this can be healthy for a family, for an individual, and for a church. You know, in the book of Revelation, when he writes to various churches, seven of them, and he says, you know, he gives praise, you're doing good here, and then he says, but I have this one thing against you. And so even the Holy Spirit in that passage, and with those churches, was kind of giving encouragement and gentle rebuke. And so I want to hear from some of you, where do you feel Living Hope is strong? Where, where can we be encouraged, strengths in our church? And where might we need to grow? Or where might you would like to see us grow better? I want to say something because I didn't get a chance to say in the first service. The, um, the, the one thing that I really appreciate about this church is your stance on racism. Um, I, the, the, the pastor from the moment I've gotten here three years ago has, um, has always preached against racism. And racism um, has no part in the body of Christ. Amen. And um, I, I love that because... Uh, believe it or not, there are churches in the United States of America right now that are battling through this, where pastors are afraid to speak against racism. And we are all created in the image of God, and he has made that clear. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, and, and, you know, and if you're, and if you're battling with that, I, I know somebody who can set you free from that. Amen. And Jesus, there is nothing, there is nothing that Jesus cannot change in your heart. And, and I love what you said. Who, who, can set, who can set somebody free from that? Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Who does the work in the heart? Jesus. Yeah. And Amen. it refer whether it's racism or whether it's any sin. Whatever any it sin. is. Anything you, you, that goes against God's word. He you, heals and he, he changes through the power of the spirit. Amen. You name it, he can handle it. Believe me. Mm. Hey, that'll uh, preach right there. So, um, <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> you name it, he can handle it. Um, there is nothing that he cannot change. Um, um, some of you know my testimony. I'm not going to preach, I promise you, but I will say he's changed my heart in a lot of ways, and he's healed my heart in a lot of ways. So um, I'm grateful for that. And um, if I have a criticism of this church, is, um, I would say of every church, we need more love. You can never love too much. You can never um, stop loving people and, and caring for them. And, and I know I need to grow in that area, so I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. Um, but love... Um, Jesus said, you know, the, the word said that love covers a multitude of sins. And when you love the Lord, then you obey the Lord and you will forgive your brother. And you will forgive anyone that has hurt you because you love the Lord and you care about what the Lord uh, says. So, and, and, and that's going to just set you free from so much. So, so we need to love more. We, we need, not you, we, we need to love more. Um, one thing I'll point out, I think Living Hope is extremely balanced, and it's the most balanced church that I've ever been, ever been a part of, uh, being both word-rooted and spirit-empowered. I think uh, typically churches go one way or the other. Uh, they're all word and no spirit, or they go too far with the spirit, and they're not rooted in the word. Um, and so I think that that's a huge strength at Living Hope, and it's something that's attracted me since day one. Um, yeah, and so I just want to praise that and say that I think that's in, we have an incredible thing here at, at this church and how balanced we are um, with that. Um, an area that I think we could grow, and I'm going to steal this from you, brother. Uh, you said this last service, but it's just organic discipleship um, of really from the top down, like from older, older folks, but then also church leadership discipling uh, either younger people in the faith or less mature people in the faith. And I think doing that organically um, as a young adult, um, I speak on behalf of, I think, college and young adult students that um, we really value when we have older people, um, either by age or by maturity, 
speaking into our lives. And so uh, I think that's an area that we could grow in, um, just generation to generation uh, consistently. I think the strengths here are it gives the believers an opportunity to practice the gifts the Holy Spirit gives them. We have teachers, preachers, um, prayerful, the prayer ministry, uh, anything that he gives you in those gifts of the Holy Spirit, you can practice here, and you see the fruit from it. You see it come to life. You begin to understand what the scripture means when you're reading it, because you understand it, because you see it in action. And from that, you see God changing and transforming our hearts where the gift of compassion is pouring out, giving's pouring out, kindness is pouring out, and it only comes from God and his church. And I think, too, the fact that we, we have great preaching, uh, great teachers. We have so many godly people here who are equipped to, to teach whatever level of Christianity you're on. Um, I love it that we have developed a discipleship program here where we can take people from being a babe in Christ to a mature seasoned person in Christ. And I don't see that in too many, many other churches. I think the church as a whole has failed in discipling people. I know it took me a long, long time to get even where I am now. And I think if I'd had a church like this to, in my early years, I might be far more advanced. Um, one of the strengths too of Living Hope, I believe, is that we just have an open door policy we are the most non-judgmental church I've ever been in. And I, I like to speak, I spoke before about Fresh Wind. I think the fact that we have opened our doors to the Fresh Wind ministry that Jerry Kaiser was called to uh, direct, I think about three or four years ago, um, I have seen such transformation in these men's lives and they make statements that they feel accepted and loved here, not just by each other, but by the church as a whole. Um, they've said things like, I've never seen this side of Christianity, and that is, that's just thrilling when they say these things about us. And uh, so just the, these, all these things, I think, are true strengths of the church. Um, I see us becoming more and more and more like the New Testament church. Our leadership is open to the fullness of the Spirit, to seeing all the manifestations of the glory of God. And I, people have had dreams and visions, and a lot of us are just have already experienced much of that glory, but we're going to experience more and more and more of it as the days go on. Just watch out. The portal is, the portal is being opened. Amen. Good stuff. You know, I get, you go next. I get, I get so refreshed by a seasoned veteran of the faith that still has a passion for more of the Holy Spirit, more of God's glory, and, uh, Man, if, if there's anybody that's just going full steam ahead and pursuing God with all her gusto, it's Ann. And, and you're an example to me, Ann, you know? Wow. <laughs> well, thank you. Hannah? Yes, I was going to add, just Living Hope is incredibly missions-minded, and for me, and I know so many others have just grown in knowing um, the Lord's heart for, like, all nations through being here, um, and that's encouraged me and challenged me so much um, attending Living Hope and then um, I guess for a weakness I would say just similar to what Alex mentioned about discipleship but specifically with women I know me just wanting to 
glean wisdom from older, wiser um, women. So, yeah, specifically like pairing and love between um, old women and young women in the church. Many of you have heard me say this, and this is, the, this is exactly why I say this. I say to people that are over 50 all the time who want to just kind of kind of sit back, let's let the young people do it, you know, and, and I'm just going to, I'm retiring from my business, so I'm going to retire from serving God in the church, and I'm like, no. I said, you, you have no idea how many college students and young adults, like what Hannah just said, that I hear from, that are hungry for you to be their mentor. Because many of them don't come from good homes, or they haven't seen a good example in their parents' marriage, or whatever. But they are hungry to be mentored and discipled by older people, uh, not just in the Lord, but older in just life experience. All right, I think one of the biggest weaknesses, not just here, but the church in general, is too many spectators and not enough people on the field getting sweaty for Jesus. <laughs> and, and so I want you each to say just a word or however many of you want to about the value of serving. Enoch, you touched on it, but um, how have you grown and benefited and matured and, and gone further in God because of serving? Not just being a spectator. And again, you guys know my heart on this. There's a place for rest. There's a place when you're burned out. There's a place when you just come, receive, and all that. But at some point, God's going to say, now don't just take in and be a sponge. Give out. And you'll be the better for doing so. So how have you benefited spiritually from serving? Well, a couple of things. Um, so I grew up in the church, and I spent, I've spent most of my life behind the drums uh, leading worship. My father was a, is a worship pastor, and so I've done it, and I've been around it for my entire life. And it wasn't until um, I got married and started really delving into the word that I started to see that there is not a difference between what we're doing on stage and what the congregation is doing down there. Um, I used to view it as there being a veil or glass, like we're leading you in worship, where it's actually we are leading worship to the audience. Um, and so since then, <laughs> um, I try and remove myself from the equation, practice my craft as often as I can, but still accept worship for what it is, and it's a lifestyle that we're just giving back to God. I just think it's very beautiful because when you serve, it brings you closer to God in ways you don't really understand. Yeah, I would echo what you just said, Mary. Um, I think uh, it challenges you to be better. Um, I've, I felt the most challenge, and I think I've experienced the most growth when I've served and when I've obeyed the Lord and put myself out there. Uh, but then, too, like I mentioned earlier, I think just knowing others and being known um, and serving and impressing in, you get in what you put out. Or did I say that right? Uh, yeah, you get what you put into it. Um, and so, like, the more you're committed and the more you press in, the more you're going to get out of your experience uh, here at the church. And I just want to say this based on your comment, Pastor David. Um, yeah, I think in our culture we have this tendency to go to church. But I think we're called to be the church. Amen. And it's not a two hours a week on Sundays. It's a lifestyle. And so I just want to lovingly encourage every single one of you in here that every day of the week you can be the church where you are um, instead of coming to church here just on Sundays. I would 
like to share how serving has blessed me um, here in Living Hope. I became a part of the prophetic team when uh, Julia and Andy Hines began it about four years ago, and I had been used here and there, but really didn't understand anything about prophecy or been trained in it. But, I, but now our group not only sits in class and reads books, but we are serving the church, and that's been a true blessing. Uh, you'll see some of us up front after the services, and we're available for prayer and that kind of thing. The other thing that uh, that's opened up for me is that volunteering to be part of the prayer ministry team for the uh, Fresh Wind program. Um, Jerry had the calling on his life about three years ago to begin this program, and it is just it's just boomeranged and uh, I mean the judges in the court systems know about us and they they recommend us they mandate me and to come here and it has been it has I have watched some of these men we may not have a hundred percent success story but it is far more successful than most programs because it's spirit filled empowered spirit empowered um, but I have seen men come in and seen them transformed almost before my eyes and it has it's just been it just blesses you to the core. Um, at last service, I told two or three things. I, the, I remember one guy who had done a very terrible thing in his life. Uh, and he would say, every time we'd meet, he'd say, I know the Lord's forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. And then eventually one day he said, I'm free. I am totally free. I know that I am, have forgiven myself. And... Um, you could just see the manifestation of the spirit on him all the time. Another guy that sat there and said, I feel like the weight of the world has been lifted off my shoulders. And you can't buy that. The world doesn't know what all that means. But we do. We do. And we should cherish these things. So uh, just serving in that small way has just been probably the most satisfying thing I have ever done in my life. And look what how old I am before I got <laughs> to this point. But, um, but it has been a blessing. Living Hope is a special place, and if you're here, you're in a good place. And I would join Alex in recommending, if I would, most of my life I felt less than, I had the worst inferiority complex you can imagine. And I know that some of you probably are sitting out there and you think that you can't do anything, that you're not equipped to do anything, but believe me, there's something for each and every one of you to do here at Living Hope. If you would just, just, Think of an area that you might want to serve in and just volunteer to do it. If it's right for you, you'll know it. The Lord will let you know it. If it's not right for you, he'll let you know it. But eventually, you'll know exactly what your gifts are and where you to be used. And we need you. We need you. The church needs everybody functioning. We're all the same. And we don't have to compare ourselves with each other. We don't have to vie for the affection of the Father because we already have it, each yeah. one of us. And so I just recommend, I would just really with all my heart and soul say, just do something. Even if it's a little something, just do it. Feel part of the family. You know, we're family, and we just love each other here. And uh, just be part of us. We want you here. We want every one of you here. We have a little couple here that just joined the church this morning. We're just so happy to have them. And, uh, yeah, we're just all brothers and sisters. I was going to add that I think for me, serving has led to building relationships within the church of really being a part of it. Like what Alex mentioned, not just going to church, but being a part of the church. And um, yeah, those relationships have been essential for um, just the encouraging 
and love and good work that um, we're designed to do. So, yeah, serving has led to relationships. I'll make this really quick. Um, if you want to grow in the things of the Lord, you serve. And through that serving, the promotion comes. Um, you know, Jesus uh, called the disciples. They were working. Uh, some were fishing. Another one was collecting taxes. Another one was plotting to overthrow the government. And, um, <laughs> yeah, Simon, Z Z what is it, Zealot? Is that, I can't pronounce it. I'm Puerto Rican. But anyway, um, but the, 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 the point is that they were, they, they were busy. They were working. Elisha was plowing a field. You know, all these, all these men and women that are called by God, they're busy. And if you start working with, with, with little things, and you, if you are faithful in the small things, then God will put you over greater things. So, amen. Let's bring up the uh, text questions, too. And you can start texting in questions. Or um, if you have a question, Rick, can you take Josh's mic? Uh, raise your hand. And uh, one of them, as we're having y'all do that, that was asked in the first service, and I think it's very relevant, when is it appropriate to leave a church and go to a different church? And obviously, uh, as we've said before, a reason not to do that is because you have conflict with somebody that you need to resolve and work through. But if the church is teaching doctrine that you don't agree with or their mission, their direction is maybe changing or shifting, that could be a valid reason, but you always go to the leadership, make sure you go to the pastor, share that, have dialogue about that. Another reason would be to maybe help a new church get started, like be a part of a church plant, but make sure that you're blessed in your current church to go do that. Like we would, we would bless people <laughs> to, and we have that have gone from here to help another church. Another reason is you get married, and now you're deciding as a couple, or your family has shifted in some way, and maybe because of that, there's different dynamics. And like I've known of young married couples that say, you know, we just kind of want to start afresh at a new church together. You know, this has been her home church, but I don't really feel connected, and, and instead of just staying there, we feel we need to go somewhere and kind of start afresh together. That could be a valid reason as well. Anything to add to that, you guys, on that? So I feel like there can be a plethora, plethora, uh, that <laughs> word, yeah, that word, <laughs> of reasons why we leave a church. Um, so I got married to Chelsea, my wife, six, this is one on our seventh year of marriage, and we didn't agree with a lot of the politics of the church that we were at, and we just gotten married, and we were trying to find our own identity in Christ, and so we left the church we were going to and came back to Living Hope. And um, our plan was to go back after about six months because that's where our family was, that's where we felt comfortable. And by the time six months rolled around, we decided we were going to stay. And um, it was... Um, What I learned through time, especially in dealing with your brothers and sisters in Christ, is a lot of times we judge based on the actions that the person commits and not on the intention. And through marriage, especially through marriage, um, what should be a reflection of your relationship with God 
I learned that if I want to, my intentions to be judged by my wife, not my actions, because I'm never intending to hurt my church family. I'm never intending to hurt my children. I'm never intending to hurt anyone, but the actions might speak that I am. Um, so I've learned whenever I do have a grievance with someone in the church that I choose to see past the action, judge the intention, because that's what I want for myself. And a lot of times it clears up whatever misunderstanding you may have had. Um, and so I encourage for everyone to go out in that mindset <laughs> because um, there's no real reason to live with any grievances and scripture actually speaks against it. <laughs> yeah, and I would just piggyback off that and just say um, I think in our culture uh, we have a tendency to view our relationship with the church as like a dating relationship uh, where um, when something goes wrong or someone offends us, we say, hey, we're going to break that relationship off and go to another church. Um, but I, I genuinely think it's to be more of a marriage analogy where regardless of, you know, how someone treats you or, or whatever, you know, you, you press in, uh, you, you, you uh, forgive that person and continue to press into that relationship. And it's, it's a deeper commitment uh, than just a dating relationship, but it's, it's more like a marriage relationship in that sense. So. All right. If you have a question, raise your hand and, uh, or text that in. Anything else? If, okay, right here. Yes. Uh, can we text the questions to 770-722-3024. So change those three, otherwise it's the same. 722 instead of 317. All right, Leola? I just wanted to make a statement uh, we're, we were talking about prejudice. I just want to say, out of the 54 years that I was in church, I spent most of them, no reflection to no one, with black people. I have never been in service with white people until I came to Georgia. And when I came here, I wasn't sure I didn't know how I was going to be, ex, ex, you know, accepted. I didn't want to cry. It's okay. So it was like a new thing among white people. I was like, if they gonna like me, if they ain't gonna like me. But when I found out and I got in here and I started meeting people, they were so lovable. I didn't feel being prejudiced against and my pastor, I don't believe he could ever had a, a prejudice dot in his eye, but he makes us feel good. He, and when we hear as black people, we don't have to look at being black. We look at each other as sisters and brothers in the Lord. Amen. <laughs> and, and, uh, that's how you were made to be, to feel here. They come with you, they help you, you get sick, they don't look and say, well, that's a black person. They just bring bring food and bring money, whatever you need. I feel that uh, living hope. I say I don't feel any prejudice here. There might be some here, but I haven't felt it yet. So I'm just praising God that I'm in the right place because it's a bouquet of people, all different kinds of people. And I thank God that I came to this church 
and even in my lifetime, I've experienced no prejudice because I have been in prejudice. I lived years in prejudice. Things I couldn't say, couldn't talk, couldn't walk on the same side of the street. And, and devil, let's let it, let's only go into a white church. You you were, you know, you couldn't go there. But I thank God for living hope. I was able to come here to stay here and to praise God here. Just like there's no prejudice found in my heart and no prejudice here. And I thank all of you that, you know, that accept not being prejudiced. That's the best thing it is because God wants us to love one another. And I just give God the praise. Amen. Well, we get the next question. I just want to say this couple right here. Um, I, I, I love the way you're sitting together. I love that. I love to see that in the house of the Lord. Um, you know, I, I see, a, I drive. Many of you know, especially the students, I drive a UGA, and, and all I see is couples, you know, with long faces and not even looking at each other. And this is beautiful to see, you know. Look at them. They, it's like watching, <laughs> like they're watching a movie or something, you know. N nothing wrong with that. Nothing, nothing wrong with showing affection. I will say one time I was standing back there, and there was a sister running, his, running her hand through her husband's hair, and I was like, man, Lord, where's, where's my wife? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's beautiful, so. That, that's great. <laughs> Raise your hand if you have a question. Can you all sp speak just real quickly to the inner, something you talked about in the first service. I just wanted, hopefully, people to hear it again. You talked about the essential nature of the intergenerational aspect, right? Yeah. And how critical that is to churches rather than just sort of like people in the same demographic. Can you just touch on that briefly? Because I think that's really important. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think one of the greatest strengths of what God has created in this organism called the church is the benefit of the young and the old together and everything in between. And, and the young and their passion and their vitality and zeal is an inspiration to older people, and the maturity and the life experience of the older people is such a good example to the younger people. And this is why it says in Timothy, you know, older women teach the younger women, and, and why it says elders are to be older in their faith, they're to be seasoned veterans um, because they have life experience. And, and so that's why uh, if, there, if, there are, if there's ever a, a group that just meets with their, you know, who, who they're most familiar with or their, their age category, they're going to be very limited if that's the sole nature of their church experience. It's just those that are, you know, in their uh, life stage, I just think it's very limiting. And so what we have here is, is, a, is a beautiful thing. I mean, when you hear an Ann Clemens and you hear a Leola, I mean, you know, here's a woman who obviously has tasted terrible racism. And for us, we need to hear that. We need to hear from her experience so that we never repeat that junk and that we be different and that we model to the world, this is where true love and unity is found. This is where the answer is. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Rich, over here. Rob had a question. Where was the hand? Sorry. Do you mind if I touch on that for no, a second as well? No, at all. Um, so going back to the uh, generations leading generations, um, I know that for me being a part of the youth group, that I can't properly pour out 
to the younger generation if I'm not being filled by the older generation. Scripture says that we are to learn from the experiences of our elders. Um, and I think that one of the ways to close gaps between generations is by being filled by the previous generation. So it would be more understandable or more viable for me to talk to teenagers because I'm in my mid, late 20s. Um, <laughs> and so someone in their 50s talking to a 17-year-old, there might be too much of an age gap. But if that middle, middle generation is not being filled and not being mentored properly, then we can't <coughs> properly pass on that wisdom. And so that's why I feel it's important for generations to all come together, share that wisdom, and spread it so that there is not a dead space. Pastor, you know that um, my hot, one of my hot buttons is intergenerational mentoring and discipleship. And so it's kind of funny, I was, you, you kind of usurped a couple of the questions, or question I was going to ask. But um, expanding on what, what you said, I know organic discipleship or mentorship, um, when there's somebody in here that maybe is kind of getting a nudge or thinking, well, I couldn't do that, or what does that look like? I guess my question is specifically to anybody up there, and if you've been on the receiving end of that, what does that look like? Because I know for some adults, it's scary. And most adults, it's scary. Um, but what does that look like for you personally and specifically? And what do you tell the person? Like, do you need to know the entire Bible inside and out before you disciple somebody? No. <laughs> or that's, it's kind of like, what does that look like? Yeah, so I, what I tell people that, that feel hesitant to mentor because they don't feel like they have, you know, they need a theological degree or whatever, I say, you know what, just walk with Jesus, just be in the Word every day, and then ask that person, hey, what do you have questions about? What are you wrestling with? What do you, you know, just, you don't have to even come with a curriculum or anything. I mean, there's curriculum available, a lot of stuff, but man, just, and what it'll do, it'll make you walk closer with the Lord because that person's looking to you. And so it's just, it's, it's just so relational. And make it about just being in the Word and what they're going through at that juncture in their life yeah if I could answer that um, two things so one in scripture I think we see that Jesus commissioned the disciples like as soon as they placed their faith in him or as soon as they started following him he sent them out to go and share with other people it wasn't hey you know you need to be with me for a while it was like hey go go two by two and start sharing uh, with lost people and so I think we see that that precedent in scripture and so I just want to encourage everyone like don't feel like you have to have a seminary degree or you know, be super equipped uh, to pour into other people. Uh, whatever you do have, you can pass it on. Um, and then two, just personal experience, because you asked that question. Um, one of my most powerful uh, mentorships, you know, I guess, was a relationship with a family uh, that used to go to this church. And, you know, I was just with them in their house, you know. I'd be there when they're doing the laundry. I'd be there when they're, they're cooking. I got to see them fighting. I saw how they parented their kids, you know. And I think just seeing all that was, like, super helpful. Um, there wasn't anything they hid from me. They were, they were vulnerable and they were accessible, and, and I think that's huge. And I want to say, I've, um, I've had the honor of mentoring um, some of the students in our youth group, and um, <laughs> um, just uh, when you do go out in faith, and you are genuine, and you are spending time in Scripture, that comes back to you. And so, yeah, I was nervous. I was like, I don't know what to say to these kids. Like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> and But when it came time, and you are actually pouring your heart out, you will have supernatural recall. And so you're going to be like, hey, this is what Scripture says about that topic. And then a lot of times, I, I, I've been trying to not talk a lot on this panel because I can talk for hours um, about anything. You could, I could talk about a handful of dirt two hours. 
Um, <laughs> but when you are genuine in your approach with the generations, um, God is going to bless you in that, and he's going to give you and equip you with what you need in order to pour out to the next generation. I was just going to make the comment. I shy away from the word mentor. I like to say, just just be my friend. Walk beside mm. me on the journey, and let's learn together. And you know, Ann mentioned this this uh, in the strength section of our church. The the discipleship material we have. It's transformational discipleship, module one, module two, module through three, and it's been designed to be extremely tr uh, uh, where you can take it and, and share it with somebody else. So once you go through it. All the materials there on our website, we give you the access code, and you can use that to mentor, disciple, if you needed material. Uh, very transformational. You can transfer it over. And we believe that one of the reasons God had us do this is because a great harvest is coming. That there's going to be a move of the Holy Spirit. It may be right around the corner, I don't know. When we're going to see a huge influx of new believers. A lot of people getting saved. And they're going to need to be discipled. And every one of you that have Christ that have walked with God faithfully for at least a year, you're qualified to do that. Absolutely. Right here. Well, and um, Jesus, you know, Jesus said that when we are weak, he is strong. And so we, ha we can't forget the power of prayer and the opportunity that we have to pray before we meet with people. And also pray for the people we're supposed to meet with. Like, he has certain people that he wants to connect us with. We don't have to figure out who that right person is. He brings them people to you. And then, you know, one of the best things you can do with a mentor is admit you don't know things. Mm. Because you don't want them to trust in you. You want them to trust in the Lord. Mm. And so if you can tell them to pray about it, to seek the Lord in it, that's truly um, when you're doing the greatest service. Because they're learning to reach to the Lord for answers and not you. And that's so easy when you're mentoring for someone to learn to rely on you. And I, I never want anyone to rely on me because I'm not reliable. I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to say things wrong. But God never does. And so um, we just have to make sure you just, ah, I don't know. You should pray about that. So, and if that comes, if you become the pray about it person, then so be it. I feel like that's one of the best things we could be in the church. Man, so. so good. Love that. All right, maybe two more. Well, he gets over there. I just want to say something really quick. And <laughs> sister, you hit the nail on the head. There is no way, there is no way that you could be praying, reading the word, speaking in tongues, worshiping the Lord, and you have nothing to say to somebody. Mm -hmm. I, and I'm not, I don't mean the answer. I, I'm not, I don't mean that. What, I, what I'm saying is you're going to be so full of God that you're going to talk to anybody that you run into. And, and I know, um, there's, I, I forgot his name, but um, one of the students here that I run into, to, into him all the time on campus, and every time I see him, man, I got something for him, and I'm not even thinking about it, but that's because the word is dwelling, and, and the spirit, and, and you're just looking for opportunities, so if you're doing that, you don't have to worry about the rest. Charlie? On the topic of discipleship, um, so we just, I mean, we just covered, like, you know, the one person pouring in. What if there's, like, a new believer or young adult, college student, whoever in the church, that wants to get poured into, that recognizes that need, but, you know, has no direction with where they go after that. They just know they have a need. Where would you say they should go, like what resources they have, who should they talk to, that kind of stuff? They yeah, know so they just, need I'd need. say talk to one of us pastors um, or leaders here, and what I would do is I'd find out more kind of, I'd hear their story, 
hear what they're looking for, and then I would just try to pair up somebody to meet with them. You know, I would go and ask somebody, hey, this, here's, a, here's a guy wanting to be mentored, wanting to be discipled. If they couldn't maybe get into one of our groups that we offer, say, on Wednesday nights or the Tuesday night young adult group, then I would just try to get them set up with somebody one-on-one. Um, yeah, I can answer that, too. Um, yeah, Kevin Stout, he's um, available. If, if you know what him and my husband, Rich, uh, they're on campus all the time. Um, they have other students that help disciple them as well alongside of them. Um, they have them um, new believers, like they'll give them a $10 gift card from Jittery Joe's uh, that's from Living Hope <laughs> to go meet with them and talk with them if they're a seeker, or um, Kevin will arrange someone to meet with them here or at their house or where they are or rich on campus. There are so many opportunities that, that they, they're available, and there are people available that we work with. Actually, it's not just Living Hope. We work with a, a lot of churches in the area as a team. Um, that do that together that's available if they want if they want that <laughs> all right thank you panel before you go alex can you one of the areas that we want the church to be doing is missions right that map over there very important to us yeah and uh you were given this little flyer as you came in today hold that up brother so we can see that yeah. about opportunities and some trips that are coming up. I'm so thankful for our missions team and what's on that piece of paper. Yeah, so if you, get, if you guys would, go ahead and take this out real quick. Take a look at it. Um, again, as Pastor Dave was just saying, we're a, we're a missionally-minded church, and we want to live on mission uh, for God. We want to obey him in that way. Um, and so uh, we're excited because we, we do have some opportunities coming up. And I'll say this, you know, with COVID, <laughs> right, all of this is Lord willing. Uh, but, you know, we have some long-term partnerships around the world. Um, and so we're taking four trips next year. Again, Lord willing. Yeah. Um, the first trip, uh, really excited about. It'll be our first ever college uh, mission trip. Uh, Kevin Stout, uh, our college pastor, is going to be actually leading a trip to New York City. Um, it'll be during UGA spring break. It's designed for college students, but if you're not a college student, you can still come. Um, as long as you're 18 or older, uh, you'd be able to come. And we're going to be partnering with a, a group there um, doing evangelism on the streets to unreached people because there's people from all over the world in New York City. Um, so it's going to be really awesome. So that's, that's in March. Um, um, over the summer, uh, in mid-July, myself and my wife, Anna, are actually going to be leading a team to Bosnia. Um, two of our uh, missionary families, uh, long-term families that we support, are in Bosnia. And so we're going to be there for a week and a half, uh, just coming alongside them, praying for them, helping them, assisting them with, with whatever they need. And so we're looking for a team of five to eight people uh, to go there. So if you're interested, uh, you can contact us. Um, it's on the, on the flyer, my email. And then uh, thirdly, we have a, um, a partnership with a missionary training center in Indonesia. Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world, and uh, they're training local Indonesian believers to go and reach their own people. It's really incredible. Um, and so Git Marchetti is going to be leading a team there uh, sometime next year, and he'd be looking for maybe one, two, three people, uh, maybe who have a specialization in a certain area. And if that's something you might be interested in, you can contact him. And then Kevin's email is also on here if you want to contact him about the New York trip. Lastly, Pastor David uh, will be going to Uganda uh, next July uh, with hopefully a few others from the church, doing pastoral training and discipleship, uh, really training and equipping um, other uh, Ugandan pastors and those in ministry to do the work that God's called them to do there. And so they're going to be going to Uganda and I think also to Ethiopia. So I just want to mention that to you all so that, one, you can be praying for us as we go on these trips next summer or next year. Uh, but then also that you may be prayerfully considering joining one of these teams. Man, how exciting that you 
that we could even do this. You know, guys, look at this. Look at this. This is what a privilege that we live in a day with this available. And I'm telling you, you go on one of these trips, you will never be the same. All right, Ann, you felt the Lord gave you a word this morning. And so uh, I'd like you to share that, and then we're going to go into just a brief time of prayer. Every one of you are just going to pray quietly with the Lord, and then Shannon's going to come and conclude our service with something. So listen carefully to this. Okay, I've got this while I was preparing for this this today. Uh, The foundation of my house has been laid to endure forever, cemented together by the sacrificial blood of the Lamb, Jesus the chief cornerstone, a place not made with brick and mortar, but with living stones made alive by my spirit. It is the place where I dwell. It is my temple. It is my earthly home. The wise among you understand the mystery of this revelation. You treasure and take great joy in in being chosen by the builder. I am the builder and maker of my eternal temple. Within the framework of my house, lies all the manifestations of my spirit, my mysteries, knowledge, wisdom, and all the fruits of the spirit. They are to be shared and enjoyed among you and released in the wor- to the world through you. As the world grows darker, rise from neglect, divided interest, and complacency. Let my fire consume you and the light of the kingdom shine through you. You are the hope of the world. Be faithful unto death. You have nothing to fear. For, any, for anyone here today that is not part of my family, that has not accepted my free gift of unconditional forgiveness, mercy, and love, paid for by the sacrificial excuse me, atonement, atonement of the cross, today is the day of salvation. Whatever you believe about yourself, there is a place in my house, at my table for you, with all the privileges of the kingdom. You can enjoy the abundant life as a living stone in my body, the church, beginning today. Come as you are to the river of life. Father, we receive that word. We thank you for your open arms. For anybody who needs to invite Christ in their life, you can do that right now. He will not reject you. He stands and he knocks. If you open the door, he promises, I will come in. I will forgive. We will have fellowship. We will dine together. You will begin the greatest adventure for which you were created. Receive him now. All of us that are a part of Christ's family. What is he saying to you today? Where is he calling you to have greater involvement, service, connection with the church, with his bride? Let the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit speak to you.
in your life do you need to surrender to him afresh? What area might displease him that you need to just say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I surrender this to you. Take control. Change me, God. now and pray for your church whether that's living hope or another church now I want you to pray that there will be a mighty move of the Holy Spirit in this church and in this community pray for revival cry out to God to just pour out his Holy Spirit and bring a fresh wave his presence and His glory. Well, God, we love you and we praise you. Pray that you would make your bride, your church, and specifically Living Hope, all that you want her to be for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.